This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. The second uh, scripture reading for this morning is taken from the book of First King, chapter twelve. Our sister Sui will read this for us. Good morning, church. Today's passage will be taken from First Kings twelve. Um, the page number on the church Bible is three hundred and fifty-one. Rehoboam went to Sechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people? He asked. They replied, If today you will be a a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, What is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, Lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, These people have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, as the king had said, Come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, My father made your yoke heavy, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for his turn for this turn of events was from the Lord, to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through Ahijah the Shilonite. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel, look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. But as for the Israelites who were living in towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled over them. King Rehoboam sent out Edorinam, who was in charge of forced labor, but all Israel stoned him to death. King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. When all the Israelites heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. Only the tribe of Judah remained loyal to the house of David. When Rehoboam arrived in Jerusalem, he mastered all Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 able young men, to go to war against Israel and to regain the kingdom for Rehoboam, son of Solomon. But this word of God came to Shemaiah, the son, the man of God, say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, to all Judah and Benjamin and to the rest of the people, this is what the Lord says, do not go up to fight against your brothers, the Israelites. Go home, every one of you, for this is my doing. So they obeyed the word of the Lord and went home again, as the Lord had ordered. Then Jeroboam fortified Sheshem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. 
From there, he went out and built up Peniel. Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom is now likely to revert to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. He said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. One he set up in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. The people came to worship the people came to worship the one at Bethel and went as far as Dan to worship the other. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. He instituted a festival on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the festival held in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. He did this in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves he had made. And at Bethel, he also installed priests at the high places he had made. On the 15th day of the 8th month, a month of his own choosing, he offered sacrifices on the altar he had built at Bethel. So he instituted the festival for the Israelites and went up to the altar to make offerings. This is the word of God. Let me invite Pastor Nick to give us a sermon for today. Thank you, Sui, for reading the passage for us. Uh, thank you, Johnson, uh, for leading us today. Let me pray for us. Lord, open up, uh, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit. That as, as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us. Amen. Friends, uh, what do you see in your social media on your way to church today? So we spend about well, two hours and 23 minutes on social media each day, uh, on average. Uh, people, companies are talking to us, giving us messages. So the question is, how do you know if you are getting good advice? It's not just, I'm not just talking about the youth. I remember was, uh, during COVID times, well, uh, for insurance ministry, we used to play this game. We used to play hangman. And the question was, uh, what the children came up with is, things my parents love to do. Okay, so the answer at that point, I don't know if uh, some of, the, some of the, the youth remember, the answer given at that point was, for this girl, her parents love to stare at their phones. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's all of us, even our parents. How do you know if you're getting good advice? Now let's say if I want to know how to cook a good pasta. Now some people ask, well, some people, I want to get advice, some people tell me, well, go to ask all the master chefs at our church. Or some people say, why don't you go to the library and borrow a book on making good pasta, maybe a Julia Charles. Others people say, well, check, why don't you check out YouTube or TikTok for the latest recipe. And for the rest of us, we just say, I just order a grab. So we are not, we're not experts in everything, but we want to have the best life, we want to live the best life we can. So that's why we need advice. We need people to give us advice. If we get good advice, uh, we could make good decisions. But if we get bad advice, we might make a mess of our lives. Today's passage is about advice, it's about counsel. You'll see two kings uh, getting counsels for a better life. Unfortunately, they only get counsel because they want a better life for themselves, not for the people. So these are, we'll see two kings that we don't need. And after looking at these two kings that we don't need, we'll learn more about the king that we all need. So what are the two kings that we don't need? First, we don't need a proud king who serves himself with force. 
and we don't need a fearful king serves himself with fake religion. Let's look at the first part. Proud king who serves himself with force. If you have a Bible, so please keep them open to 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 1. Okay. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. Rehoboam uh, was the new king in Israel. He was a, the new king of the combined nation. Uh, and God promised uh, Rehoboam's grandfather, David, that one of his descendants would uh, rule forever, to be a forever king. And for the past few weeks, it looks like Solomon was going to be that forever king. Solomon was a very wise king. Uh, and he, he built grand palaces. He was wealthy. He made the nation wealthy. But Solomon disobeyed God. He disobeyed God by worshipping other gods. And he caused all of his, uh, the whole nation to worship other gods too. So God promised Solomon that he would tear the nation from his son. So his son will be left with one tribe, but this other person, Jeroboam, will be, will be given, so this other person will get ten tribes. And later we see that that person is a Jeroboam. So a passage today, uh, Solomon has already died. In chapter 12, verse 1, is the, they're going to crown Rehoboam as king. At this coronation, where all the people came and asked him, asked him a really important question. So verse 4, this is the question. Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. So Solomon put the people through harsh labor. But despite that, the people still want the kingdom to work out. So if this new king, Rehoboam, would lighten the workload, then all the people will serve him. Now Rehoboam needed time to consult on this, so this was a, because this was a test for him. Should he be a kind and compassionate king to win loyalty? Or should he, be, should he intimidate them into submission? To be the servant king? Or fearsome tyrant? So verse 5, Rehoboam sends them off to a, for three days for, for rest and for him to think about his answer. What he did is he sought two groups of counselors for advice. And next we'll see how God is sovereign over, over this. So the first group he asked uh, were the seniors, the elders who served during Solomon's time. So elders who heard Solomon's wisdom, benefited from Solomon's wisdom. In verse 7, this is what they said. They replied, If today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable reply, they will always be your servants. So counselors, these counselors wanted Rehoboam to be the people's servant who humbly serve the people. And if he could do that, he could serve the people, then these people will also serve him and will serve him forever. The long-term benefits will be great. But humility is not in this king's vocabulary. A king must be great. A king must be honored. Might is right. So Rehoboam wants to be known as this strong king who rules by force, and forces the people to serve him. He wants to rule by force. He wants to rule by fear. So Jeroboam went for uh, the advice of his buddies, of the young men who grew up with him, men who did not serve together with King Solomon, men who did not hear about Solomon's wisdom. So in verse 10, this, this, this is what happened. Verse 10, the young men who had grown up with him replied, 
These people have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. The young advisors advised Rehoboam to trash talk Israel. So first they said, they want you to say, well, your, your, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist or my, my father's tie, depending on your translation. Now what this means is that his male private parts is bigger than his father's waist or tie. This means that he's trying to say he's more manly, more powerful, more assertive than his wimp of a father. And because he's more manly, more powerful, more assertive than his wimp of a father, he's going to increase that workload his father imposed. He's going to build more buildings than Solomon. He's going to build grander buildings than Solomon. And he's not going to do it. The forced labor is going to do it. On top of that, Rehoboam is going to increase the pain of punishments with scorpions. Okay, what does this mean? So in, one of the, in one of the trips uh, that, that I made with, uh, to Vietnam with uh, the Trish people, so we've finished our, our mission work at Da Nang, so we thought, okay, let's, let's try something. Let's try, some, let's try something uh, different now that we've done the work. So we, we decided to go for something, to eat something exotic uh, in Vietnam for our last meal there. So we must have ordered some fried bucks, but I, I can't remember the fried bucks. What I remember is the fried scorpion. Okay, why I remember the fried scorpion? It's because we, tr- we took apart the scorpion, we tried to bite it, bite it, but the scorpion is just too hard. We couldn't figure out how to eat it. And we did not dare eat the sting of the scorpion. So let's add the scorpion's tail. So back to Rehoboam. So Rehoboam says that if Solomon's labor was subject to whipping, Rehoboam is going to up that. Rehoboam is going to put sharp metal bits at the end of the whip and use that to inflict more pain and more fear on the people. So three days later, uh, Israel met Rehoboam at Shechem again. So Rehoboam repeated his trash talk to threaten them into fearful submission. How do you think they reacted? Now, general election must be held uh, before November 2025, and there'll be different political parties talk about all the good things they will do for Singapore and all its people. So I think it's the same for some of, some of you, uh, where you, when people, in, you, in your schools, people vote, people vote for other, children, uh, other students trying to run for student council. So they all talk about the good they'll do for the school, for the, for the other students. Now imagine any of these people daring to say, to say what Jeroboam said as a campaign strategy. Vote for me so I can make your workload heavier to make me look good. Or vote for me so I can whip you with scorpions to ensure you obey. Now everyone will vote for the other party. So what we expect in this passage is, is for Israel to straight away rebel against this tyrant. But before we get to that, the author interrupts us, verse 15, to give us a heavenly picture of what God is doing. Verse 15. So the king did not listen to the people, for this turn of events was from the Lord. To fulfill the word the Lord has spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nabat, through Ahijah, the Shilonite. The Lord sovereignly allowed Rehoboam to say these forceful, proud words. 
So it's, 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 this puts the focus not just on Rehoboam, but now the focus is on God. God is the one who is sovereign over this. As one pastor said, well, the focus is on divine sovereignty, not on human stupidity. If, if you look at last week's passage in chapter 11, verse 35, verse 35, God promised Jeroboam to give him 10 tribes. This is Kings chapter 11, verse 35. I will take the kingdom from his, Solomon's son's hand, and give you 10 tribes. I will give one tribe to his son so that David, my servant, may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I chose to put my name. God will always be faithful to, uh, to his word, to Jeroboam. So this means that God was fulfilling, in this passage, God's fulfilling his word through Rehoboam's folly, through Rehoboam's pride. So verse 15 shows us what God is doing. God is, God is working behind the scenes to separate the kingdom. And he does it through Rehoboam's proud and arrogant words. And God continues to do that in verse 16 to 24. So verse 16 when all Israel saw the king uh, refuse to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel, look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. So this slogan for the rebellion came from Israel's history. So a troublemaker uh, in Rehoboam's, Rehoboam's grandfather's time, uh, David's time, he used these words, these words to say, to reject David as king. So many years later, in 1 Kings chapter 12, Rehoboam takes up this curse and to say that they will never submit to David's descendants as their king, to reject uh, the, the, David, the Davidic line. And they all go home. Uh, they, they, these are, and now these become the northern tribes. So these northern tribes will now be known as Israel. In verse 17, we see that Rehoboam ruled over those who lived in Judah. And this will be, the, this will be called the southern tribe, yeah, Judah. So from, from this point on, we, we, we read the Bibles, it talks about Israel, Jacob, Ephraim, uh, Joseph, the tribes of Joseph, it's all talking about the northern kingdom of Israel. When it talks about Jerusalem, Zion, uh, Judah, it's all talking about the south. So this division has happened, verse 16 and 17. But Rehoboam is not done with his egocentric tyranny. Rehoboam thought that he needs to confront this rebel state uh, with Adoniram. And that will remind them who's in charge. Now Adoniram was in charge of Solomon's forced labor. So he, he thinks the people will fear Adoniram. So he rocks up with Adoniram with his fearsome war chariot to scare the people of the north. And this is what happened in verse 18. Verse 18. King Rehoboam sent out Adoniram, who is in charge of the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death. King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. But Israel hated Rehoboam, they hated Adoniram, so they stoned, this, uh, they stoned the person who was in charge of forced labor to death, Adoniram, and they forced the king into his majestic chariot, well, not to fight, but to flee with his tail between his legs. So his majestic war machine turned into his getaway car. Now, Rehoboam won't take this hum humiliation lightly. So Rehoboam prepares a greater show of force to uh, quash the rebellion. So in verse 21, Rehoboam summons uh, 180 
a thousand able young men to regain the kingdom. Now, these were the best of the best. Maybe these were the guys who would do, I don't know, somersaults at the, at the basketball court or something. And they'd do handstands at, at church. Now, these were, the, these, were the, these were scary people, the best of the best, the strongest of the strong. And Rehoboam was going to lead the country into civil war. But God mercifully intervenes to stop the issue from escalating. So in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 24, he sends a prophet to speak to them. This is what the prophet says. This is what the Lord says. Do not go out to fight against your brothers, the Israelites. Go home, uh, every one of you, for this is my doing. So they obeyed the word of the Lord and went home again, as the Lord had ordered. So we see that the northern side, they have rejected David's line as the kingly line. But even though that has happened, God still says, these guys at the north, the Israelites, they are still your brothers. They are still family. Don't fight them. Go home. Because God was behind all this. God is the one bringing about this division. And it's God's will at this point for the nation to be divided. So the people obeyed God and they all went home. So what does this show us? This shows us that we don't want a proud king who serves himself with force. He isn't the kind of king that Deuteronomy 17 uh, was talking about, the, the kind of king who, cons- who considers himself uh, equal to the rest of his brothers. No, he considers himself better than his brothers. So this kind of king is bad news for the people. We need a king who is good for us. We need a king who serves us. And King Jesus says that he is that guy. This is what Jesus says about himself. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. King Jesus is that humble servant king. He came to serve you. He humbly served you by giving up his life for you, by dying on the cross for you. And this passage says that his life was a ransom, a payment to free you from sin, so that you can be who you were made to be, to be God's children. Jesus took our sin and rebellion on the cross so that you and I can be God's children. So the world wants us to give more and more and more. But Jesus has given us his all, his life, for our good. The true king serves us with his humility. So our best life is not found in our grades. Our best life is not found in our achievements or even our bank accounts. Our best life is found in Jesus. Friends, if you have not believed in Jesus, then this is an invitation for you. To receive this life, you must rely on Jesus as your king. To trust his ransom that pays for you so that you can call God your father. So we have seen this proud king. Now we see the opposite of the proud king. We see the fearful king. The fearful king, but he still wants to serve himself. So what he does is he serves himself with fake religion. The fearful king serves himself with fake religion. Now we saw that this fearful king uh, is Jeroboam. So Jeroboam has taken over the the northern ten tribes, uh, but he's still in great fear. So listen to his fearful words in verse uh, 26. Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert to, to the house of David. If these people go up and offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to, the, to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They'll kill me and return to King Rehoboam. 
Rehoboam's fearful words about this is Rehoboam's fearful words about his kingdom. But this, this shows that he doesn't trust God. He thinks that true worship will pull people away from God. So every time they go down to, to Jerusalem, to the temple, to offer sacrifices, well, they think that there's another opportunity for Rehoboam to win their hearts. And they have to go down quite a lot. They have to go down every time they want to offer a sacrifice. And on top of that, they'll go down three times a year uh, to celebrate the different festivals. So Jeroboam was worried that these frequent visits will make the people say that they don't want Jeroboam to be their king anymore. But he forgot uh, that what God has said, and he rejected what God has said in chapter 11, uh, verse 30. So this, again, last week's passage. This is what God said. If you do whatever I command you and walk in obedience to me and do what is right in my eyes by obeying my commands and decrees and my commands, as, my, as David, my servant, did, I will be with you. I will build a dynasty for you as enduring as the one I built for David. I will give Israel to you. So Jeroboam's kingdom is secure as long as he obeyed God. But Jeroboam fearfully adopted that. Jeroboam fearfully rejected that. So Jeroboam's problem was religion. So in verse 28, he took out counsel, and what he did is he replaced true religion with fake religion. Now first, uh, to have this new religion, Jeroboam makes new gods. So he makes these two golden calves. He put one in the north in Bethel, uh, sorry, south in Bethel, and one in the north in uh, Dan. In verse 28, Jeroboam says, Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And that's what happened. And this is, he's repeating lines from Israel's history. See, when God's people came out of Egypt, their leader, Moses, spent a lot of time with God on the mountain by, by themselves. And the people thought Moses died. So they, what they did is they built, made a golden calf, and they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So Jeroboam sinned in the same way as it showed in the past. Now Jeroboam created golden calves to replace the true God the true God who saves them, saved the people from Egypt. He's reinventing the religion with new gods. Uh, last year, when I was spending some time with my, I was visiting churches in Australia, one of my friends uh, shared with me a story about, how, about her experience as a student uh, in, 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 a, in a university in, in the US. So she, she had a friend who was studying, I think it was philosophy at that time. And this, this friend uh, decided to make fun of religion. And what this, this friend did is, he came up with a religion called the religion of the pink elephant. So he, to come this, so he, uh, he said oh, he has to worship this pink, this pink elephant, he has to listen to what the pink elephant says, and my friend cannot correct this other person and say, there's no such thing as a pink elephant. Because my friend would say, oh, you are, you are insulting me, you are insulting my religion, you are insulting my beliefs. Because... I believe in a pink elephant. So in the same way, Jeroboam is making people believe in golden calves and is repeating the Israel's sins from many, many years ago. And it isn't just Jeroboam's contemporaries who are telling him that he's wrong. The Bible tells us that he's wrong. So verse 30, this is what God's word says about Jeroboam. And this thing became a sin. 
The people came to worship the one at Bethel and, came, and went as far as Dan to worship the other. Jeroboam wanted these calves at, at Bethel at the south and Dan and north to be the place where, for Israel to, to meet God, to come into God's presence. So don't go to Jerusalem anymore. Verse 30 says that he was successful. People went to these golden calves at, at Bethel and at Dan. But this led to people sinning against the true God who saved them. It's not just enough to come up with, with fake gods. So in verse 30, he comes up with new temple, new priesthood. So in, so in, verse, in verse 31, he comes up with these many, many temples to replace that one true temple down in the south. So you can worship God conveniently at a temple near you. And Jeroboam replaced the true priesthood last, uh, from God's word. God said that only, that only Levites can be priests. But with Jeroboam, anyone, anyone can be priests, no matter who uh, your ancestors were. And that's not all. See, Jeroboam also instituted new festivals and he instituted this priest king. Now, this feast that he instituted was on the, in verse 32, is on the 15th day of the 8th month. And verse 32, is, uh, the author says that it's just like the festival in Judah. So that festival in Judah is on the 15th day of the 7th month. It's just like we're coming out with a fake Chinese New Year. You say, well, instead of celebrating on the, on the first and second day of the, right, the first month of the Lunar New Year, you say, say that Chinese New Year must happen on the, I don't know, this first and second day of the second month. It's coming out with, that's coming out with a new festival. And since Jeroboam is overhauling the whole religion, kind of a new replacement religion, he might as well give himself more power in this new religion. So in verse 32 and verse 33, Jeroboam makes himself the priest king to be able to sac offer sacrifices to, this, to the calves of his fake religion. So Jeroboam is now the priest king of this new religion. Now, this is a new thing for, for Israel. So, so far in Israel's history, no one has been allowed to be this priest and king combined together. Priest is priest, king is king, cannot combine. But Jeroboam says, yes, now can. And Jeroboam is the first priest king of his religion. So because of Jeroboam's fear, his council, his advisors came up with this replacement religion. So Jeroboam used his religion to serve himself to secure his kingdom. So religion is about serving Jeroboam, serving the, those in power. It's not about worshipping God. So the whole nation worshipped these false gods. And Jeroboam opened the floodgates for false religion. He led the whole nation to rebellion against God. So he isn't the king of Deuteronomy 17, the follower of God's law. So Jeroboam's dynasty won't last as God said. So all the kings, and not just Jeroboam, all the kings after Jeroboam in the north, they are all worshipping false gods. Sometimes they worship these golden calves. Sometimes they worship the other detestable gods of, of the Canaanite religion. And this led to Israel's downfall and Israel's exile. Now someone has said to me before, a religion is, is all fake. Religion is all made up by leaders who want to control people. And I say, from this passage, that is what Jeroboam did. 
But what he did is he denied the true worship of the true God. And for him, the consequences were exile, judgment. But instead of all that, well, wouldn't it be better to worship, instead of coming out with fake religion to worship fake God, wouldn't it be better to worship the true God in true worship? Now, rejecting God doesn't mean that there's no system to replace God. Rejecting God means that you must create a new system to worship God. So Christian cults and other religions all, always have this new system. There are new gods, there are new temples, there are new priests, there are new festivals. And these are all bad systems because they reject the true God, just like Jeroboam. And what about those people who don't follow any gods? What about them? Well, they, they too have their own belief system. Now, recently I came across a quote by a therapist uh, on, this, on the Wall Street Journal. And she said that one of the reasons uh, for okay, let me skip this slide. One of the reasons for uh, one of the reasons for anxiety, rising anxiety, rising depression in children and adults today is this: less people are interested in religion. Because less people are interested in religion, therefore more people think that well, life has no meaning, no meaning apart from this physical world. And uh, when she when she said this, it was just before COVID. And life was really hard for people if you can't see beyond this world. So she said, uh, nihilism, that is, the, the, the belief that life is meaningless, is a fertilizer for anxiety and depression. And being realistic, being realistic that, there is, is, that life is meaningless is overrated. The belief in God, uh, in a protective and guiding figure to rely on, rely on when times are tough, it's one of the best kinds of support for kids in an increasing, increasingly pessimistic world. Now, it's great that she, she, she sees that well, we need to know and to believe in God, to hold on to God, to worship God, to have hope. And our children need that, adults need that. But what she says next is shocking. I'm often asked by parents, hey, again, this is a therapist. So I'm, a, I'm often asked by parents, how do I talk to my child about death if I don't believe in God or heaven? My answer is always the same. Lie. So this is what she said. Don't believe in God. Lie to your children. The alternative is to tell them they're simply going to die and turn to dust. So this, be this belief system doesn't work. It's far better to hold the truth that God exists, that Jesus exists, and tell the truth that Jesus has come to save you and to hope in Jesus. So it's Jeroboam appointed to this false religion that brought no hope. But Jesus is the true king who invites others to true worship. In John chapter 4, uh, Jesus went to Samaria. So this is where the, northern, the people of the northern kingdom uh, were. And Jesus was talking to this woman at Samaria. And she, they got, got about talking about uh, worship. And the woman said, Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. So Jesus corrects the woman's uh, idolatry, and she says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yeah, time is coming, and has now come, and true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. 
Jesus says, yes, you Samaritans have got it wrong with this fake religion started all the way back with Jeroboam. But now, the time has come when even the temple at Jerusalem is irrelevant because seeking God the Father, because God is the Father is seeking true worshippers. True worship isn't just limiting the worship to the where you worship at the temple. True worshippers worship God with their whole lives. So Samaritan, you can be a true worshipper of God. So Jesus, the true king, you know, invites a Samaritan to true worship. Jesus, the true king, invites you and I to true worship as well. So no matter how far away you have gone from God, no matter how unworthy you feel, Jesus calls you to true worship, just like he called the Samaritan woman. Yeah, you, can, you can worship God uh, from anywhere. You can worship God at home, you can worship God at school, at work, or even when we meet on Sundays. You can read the Bible, pray, praise, live the life that pleases God. A true king invites uh, undeserving you and I to worship him. The right thing for us to do is to take up his offer. So we see today that Jesus, the true king, serves us with humility. Jesus, the true king, invites us to true worship. So what you and I need is not the, the counsel of the proud Rehoboam. And we, don't, we also don't need the counsel of the fearful Jeroboam. See, more than counsel, you and I will need King Jesus to serve us. And what do we do with this, all this advice that, we, that people have given us on, on TikTok, on YouTube, uh, in person, on books? And what we do is we evaluate it with what King Jesus says in the Bible. For example, uh, this, yeah, a few weeks ago, I, I, was, I was working in a, in a public space and I overheard uh, this lady talking, talking to, a, to a friend about, about how she and her, yeah, she has decided to move in uh, with, her, with her boyfriend yeah, to have a sense of what marriage life is like. Now, that is bad advice according to the Bible. As the Bible says, that sex is always for marriage. And sex, the, the close relationship between a husband and wife points to the relationship between Christ and the church. Well, the, the world might counsel you to live for yourself. Now, this might mean, for some of you taking uh, exams, immune season, might mean putting your, your studies first. Or for those of us who are working, to put your career first. Or for those of us who have finished studies and work, to enjoy your retirement that you've earned. Now, all this is not complete advice. And if you take it to extreme, that's bad advice. Because all these assume that your life belongs to you. No, your life doesn't belong to you. The Bible, the Bible says, Jesus says, your life belongs to God. So whether we eat, whether we drink, or if I may add on, whether we study, whether we work, whether we retire, we do it all for God's glory. So King Jesus serves us with humility. And he invites you and I to true worship. Will you accept his invitation? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for nourishing us with your words of life. Please use this passage to continue a good work in us until it is complete at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Nick, for the sermon. And uh, Nick has prepared for us two questions for us to think about as we respond to what we have heard this mo- uh, in this sermon today. Uh, so the first question is, uh, think about one advice you've heard of, how might the Bible address that? Second question, how does the passage cause me to feel about Jesus? I give us about five minutes to discuss with the person next to you, and then we'll come back again. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.